for a lot of people, this is open enrollment as we get ready for the, that January 1st renewal. Uh, I always tell people open enrollment is important. It's the one time a year when you can make changes just because you feel like it. You can switch between plans, you can sign up, you can drop off the plan, you can add a dependent, you can drop a dependent if one of your kids is getting on your nerves, whatever you wanna do. Welcome to the Trusted Partner Podcast, hosted by Jesse Kramer and Gabe Chodak. Jesse and Gabe are relationship managers at Cobblestone Capital Advisors, a comprehensive wealth management firm that serves families and individuals in all aspects of their financial lives. All opinions expressed by Jesse and Gabe or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Cobblestone Capital Advisors. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Cobblestone Capital Advisors may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. We want to hear from you. Send us an email with questions, suggestions, or content ideas to our email address, podcasts at cobblestonecap.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Trusted Partner Podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Trusted Partner Podcast. You know, Gabe, here we are, early November. It's that time of year again. Time to start thinking about health insurance. Yeah, Jesse, you know, it's something that comes up every year and it's easy to dismiss or just continue doing what you're doing. There's a lot of potential savings, a lot of potential costs, a lot of really big impacts to a family or individual's financial situation. And it really is worthwhile to spend some time and get a understanding of what you're being offered and what the best options are. Totally. I mean, we, we just saw this morning, Gabe, some uh, some of our healthcare options, the, the, the premium plans, the platinum plans, they cost five figures per year. These are these are five figure, you know, tens of thousands of dollars decisions potentially. And, and we do need to think about it. And that's why we're bringing in an expert today, uh, Eric Bond. Eric is the president of Bond Benefits Consulting, which provides professional management of employee benefits. We spend this episode talking with Eric about personal health care selections during open enrollment season, what's been updated or changed, and just some good reminders rehashed from last year's episode. Without further ado, here's Eric Bond on episode 32 of the Trusted Partner Podcast. Eric, thanks for joining us on your second appearance of the Trusted Partner Podcast. It seems like it's kind of an annual November meeting. It's that time of year when right. we talk about health insurance. Thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, let's dive right in. I, I mean, what are some of the updates that people should be expecting to see as they look at their open enrollment forms and their benefit packages for 2024? Um, as compared to last year? I mean, rates, other things, what, what are some of the big big overarching items that people are going to see? Yeah, great question. There's a lot of changes going on for this year. Uh, for a lot of people, this is open enrollment as we get ready for the, that January 1st renewal. Uh, I always tell people open enrollment is important. It's the one time a year when you can make changes just because you feel like it. You can switch between plans, you can sign up, you can drop off the plan, you can add a dependent, you can drop a dependent if one of your kids is getting on your nerves, whatever you want to do. Now is the time. Let's any talk other about time. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any other time if you want to make changes, you have to have a qualifying event like a marriage, divorce, or birth of a child. So now is the time to really pay attention and figure out what you want to do. A lot of changes that we're seeing in the marketplace, uh, continued enhancements. We are seeing some substantial rate increases for this year. 
Um, we did see over the past couple of years, rate increases starting to, to drive down. One of the big goals of the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, was to try and drive rate increases down to a more more reasonable level. And, and a couple of years ago, we got to a pretty good area. We got to uh, a year when the average rate increase was between 4 and 6%. And that felt really good. What, what we didn't pay attention to was the fact that at that point, it wasn't really 4% or 5%. It was really market inflation plus 3%. Uh, and we didn't think about the fact that market inflation was so low and so consistent at that point. And now that it's really jumped up, we saw that reflected in health insurance. So when you look at market inflation plus, again, that 3 or 4% that we're always going to see for, for health care, we're really seeing some, uh, some bigger increases for this year. How does a company or how does an individual deal with that? I mean, it could be a substantial part of their paycheck. And obviously, we're the personal finance people, so you may flip it back to us. But how, if you're a business owner, what are some thoughts or options you might have. Yeah, for most business owners, healthcare is the second or third largest expense that they have. And and for a lot of individuals, it can be pretty high up on the list as well. Once you get past your uh, uh, your your home and your car, uh, it's a really substantial expense. Uh, so it, it's important to understand that healthcare is designed to do two things, take care of your body and take care of your finances. Um, we know that those are the two most important things. And, and it's important to make sure that people are paying attention to what their real needs are and making sure that they are considering what different plans are available to them. Uh, don't just stick with the same plan that you've been on for the last four years. You know, a lot of people are on that, that platinum level, that copay type plan, um, and they just roll with it because, hey, it worked last year and, uh, and I assume it'll work well again. Pay attention to what your costs are. You know, by the same token, uh, I always preach: go to the lowest cost plan that that gives you the the minimum needs. I've been on a, a bronze level, very high deductible plan myself for about the last 15 years, um, and next year I'm moving to a a much higher cost plan because of some some health changes within my family. It's important to look at what were your cost drivers over the past year. Who went to the doctor? Who took new prescriptions? Do you have any surgeries coming up? And and what do you think is going to happen for the next year? to figure out which plan is going to be be the right plan for you. It's also great to look at how the different plans that are available to you interact. So a lot of times we look in a vacuum at, hey, here's my medical, and here's my dental, and here's my vision, and here's my, you know, my Aflac style plans. Uh, those can all interact very well together if you pay attention to them. Uh, a lot of the um, a lot of the Excellus uh, health insurance plans locally are now including vision coverage, for example. Uh, depending on what your needs are, you may be able to drop off your vision insurance and, and save a couple dollars there. Um, similarly, with an accident plan, like a, an Aflac or a Colonial-style accident plan, there's a lot more carriers that are getting into that game and offering a plan like that where it's going to pay you a flat dollar amount for different types of services related to an accident. So if you get hurt and you need an x-ray or you need an ambulance ride or, uh, or, or stitches, anything like that, you might get a flat dollar amount. Some people are getting more comfortable with using that while moving to a higher deductible plan to cover for their, their unknown risk, right? Someone who maybe has been very healthy over the past couple of years, doesn't have a lot of medical expenses, but is, is worried about the what if of that high deductible can cover for that what if by adding a plan that covers their more specific concerns. Does the individual consumer then have to go out and find those separately or can they work with whoever is providing the benefits for the company? 
the for their employer. More and more employers are offering those types of benefits. Uh, so in many cases, you're gonna be able to get it through your employer. If your employer doesn't offer it, a lot of times they'll be able to add that at no cost to them. So there's really no downside and they're, they're thrilled to be able to, to give you something that you want for free. Uh, in some cases, if you can't access it through your employer, you would be able to go out uh, and, and get it in the individual market as well. Eric, you're talking about different levels of plans. You know, you use bronze, silver, gold, platinum, you know, and maybe other providers have different ways of differentiating the levels of plans. But when I was looking through some paperwork, you know, there's co-pays, there's various premiums, obviously, there's different deductibles, lots of different options. Now, for the layperson listening to this, to the average employee who maybe is worried about their day job, what are some tips that you have to help them really think about which plan is right for them? You, you talked just now about thinking about the last year and how much they spent. Well, what other you know numbers essentially go into making that decision of which plan is right for me? Yeah, uh, thanks for bringing that up. And, and I uh, probably shouldn't have just jumped right into the uh, graduate level descriptions here. So uh, when it comes to that bronze, silver, gold, and platinum, those actually are not marketing terms. So for employers with fewer than 100 employees, those are actually fixed terms uh, hmm. set by New York State. Um, and they refer to what's called the actuarial value. But really what that means is of all the dollars that end up getting paid to the doctor, the hospital, the pharmacy, what's the percentage that come from the insurance company? And what's the percentage that come from us as the end user in the form of those co-pays, co-insurance deductibles? So a bronze plan is going to be basically, a, uh, not necessarily for each individual, but across the board is gonna be a 60-40 split and a platinum plan at the other end is gonna be a 90-10 split. So they are very, they are very clear and, and distinct differences. Generally speaking, a bronze plan is gonna be a lot less expensive in terms of the premium coming out of your paycheck, but it's gonna cost you more if and when you use those services. Because of that, it tends to work very well for people who don't use a lot of health insurance, a lot of health care. Uh, if you don't go to the doctor, you know, you're the kind of the, the classic 27-year-old male. You haven't been to the doctor in five years. You never took a pill other than, uh, you know, maybe a multivitamin. That bronze plan is probably a really good one for you. Uh, it's going to it's gonna give you a very high deductible. So you will have some, some costs if something does go, go wrong. Uh, but you've got that protection where if you land in the hospital for a month and you get a $100,000 bill, you're not on the hook for $100,000. You've got some, some protection in the form of that, that health insurance. A platinum plan, on the other hand, is gonna be really good for someone who has known high costs coming up. Uh, it may be uh, if you have a, a chronic condition where you're, you're getting regular treatment, if you're dealing with a, a cancer diagnosis, um, if you have a very high cost prescription, or if you have a surgery coming up, um, or even if you've got a baby on the way, that's where going for something like the platinum plan can be really attractive in that it's gonna cost you more out of your paycheck, absolutely. Uh, you're going to pay that premium up front, but then when you do go to use those services, instead of having a deductible, you're just going to have a copay at the doctor. Uh, it's going to be a much more reasonable expense. When we think about kind of tracking a previous year, so people should really think moving forward as 2024 begins, I want to track so I'm ready for when open enrollment next year happens. Are there any good apps or technologies or anything out there that you're aware of that you can kind of break down by child, break down expenses, load things um, from doctors and dentists, et cetera? Yeah, so we are seeing some growth in different apps that will make that really user-friendly, but realistically, everyone has access to that information through your carrier website. So get your login, whether it's, it's MVP, Excellus, or any other carrier, 
if you have your login, you can go on and you can you can track your claims on a, on a backwards looking basis. Most of us also still get paper statements where you're gonna get either on a monthly or a quarterly basis, something like your explanation of benefits or your monthly health statement that's gonna break down what your expenses have been over the past plan year on a person by person basis. So you're saying I shouldn't design an app, I should just not throw that piece of paper out? <laughs> you will have to open the mail. Eric, if uh, someone out there listening, let's say, you know, I'll use myself as an example, Excellus Blue Cross Blue Shield, do I go through my HR to set up that account? Do I just go directly to the insurance website and they know me by, you know, date of birth and social security number and, and I can set up my account that way? So it's always a good idea to have a great relationship with your HR person. Don't be shy about going to talk to them, but yes, you can set it up by just going to the carrier website. Uh, you'll just need your uh, your insurance card in order to get that set up. Earlier you were talking about the the inflation, what market inflation plus three or 4% that usually explains health insurance uh, inflation from year to year, where does that three or 4% premium tend to come from? So the, the three or 4% above and beyond inflation comes from a couple of different places. One of the big ones is with, uh, with regard to what we call intensity. Uh, that's where healthcare services are getting more intense. They're getting better. Uh, one of the examples I, I like to cite is if I fell out of a tree and broke my arm when I was a kid, I got an x-ray and a cast. If my kid falls out of a tree tomorrow and breaks their arm, they're gonna get an MRI and they're gonna have surgery and they're gonna have pins put in. It's absolutely gonna end with a better result, right? They're not gonna have arthritis, they're not gonna have an elbow that clicks and pops, but it costs more. Same thing on prescriptions. Prescriptions are a huge driver of added medical expense. Um, as we get more and more prescriptions, they get more and more precise and they, they're used to treat um, treat things more specifically, but that also means that they can't treat as many things. So if you think about Advil, Advil treats a lot of things. We can sell a lot of Advil to a lot of people and the cost of developing Advil gets spread around pretty well. Uh, Advil might, use, might be used for a headache, it might be used for a muscle ache, any of those things. Uh, if we had a pill that was really, really good at only treating an ache in your right pinky finger, that would be tremendous, but I don't know about you, I don't have aches in my right pinky finger as often as I have aches everywhere else in my body. Um, so that's going to have less of a market and the cost of developing it can't be spread around as much. Gabe and I were talking about going 50-50 on a Ozempic, but right now it's just not cost effective for us. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's definitely getting out of this. So there have been some headlines, speaking of prescriptions, some headlines about Medicare now being able to negotiate pricing. Are, are, is the layperson, the 30-year-olds looking at their plans, are they seeing any impact of this or should they expect any impact in the future? Uh, it's not going to be an impact yet. There should be some impact in the future. Uh, a lot of health insurance carriers do piggyback off of Medicare and Medicaid when it comes to the prices that they're able to pay for services and for medications. Unfortunately, that, uh, that Medicare negotiation with uh, the drug companies doesn't start for a couple more years, and it's limited to just 10 drugs up front. So it's not going to be not going to be a huge direct impact to what we see for uh, for quite some time. 
I was reading earlier, Eric, about the, um, let me see if I get my nomenclature right by memory, expansion of the essential plan, right? yeah. something about federal poverty levels. What's going on there? That is a really exciting development, both for a lot of individuals and for quite a few business owners. So, Great, great question, Jesse. I, I need to start reading whatever Jesse reads. <laughs> My notes. <laughs> <laughs> I read that in Benefits Daily. <laughs> so the essential plan is something that was part of the ACA. Uh, so it's been around since 2014. It is a plan uh, for people who make a little bit too much to qualify for Medicaid, but it is free or heavily reduced cost health insurance. It's a tremendous plan. Since 2014, that's been available to people in New York State earning up to 200% of federal poverty level. In 2024, that's going to go to 250% of federal poverty level. Now, what does that actually mean? For an individual, it means that in 2023, you had to earn less than $25,520 a year to qualify. Next year, that jumps up to almost $34,000. For a family of four, the jump goes from $52,000 in 2023 to 69,000 next year. There's a lot more people who are gonna qualify for that essential plan, which is great news for those people. It's also great for their employers because if they can drop off their employer's insurance and go onto that essential plan, it's gonna save money for them and for, and for the company they work for. So when people are thinking about what plan to select, what are some of, and I know we talked about this last year, but what are some of the major considerations people should be thinking and what conversations should they be having with their partner or their spouse um, and looking at the plan that they may have at their employer? Yeah, it's always good to, to consider all your options. Uh, not all of us are married to a teacher where we have a, a great low-cost option. Uh, you want to make sure that you're looking at all the options that are available to you. So don't just say, oh, I've been on my spouse's plan for the last five years. We're going to renew there. I don't need to show up to, to my company's benefits meeting. Show up to your company's benefits meeting. Uh, get the information. Take a look. It, depending on how different employers contribute towards their employees' plans, it may make sense to have one parent on, uh, on one plan and the other parent plus the kids on their employer. It might make sense to put the kids on Child Health Plus, which is a New York State supported program. Uh, it may make sense to have the whole family all together, but you're not gonna know unless you run the numbers. And, and it's one of those things, it's, it's, it feels like a hassle, um, but take a couple of minutes. You only have to do it once a year. Run the numbers and look at where do people belong. Uh, particularly if you have a disparity in, in health conditions between partners. So if you have uh, a married couple, one of whom is very healthy, doesn't use a lot of medical services, and the other one has maybe more high cost uh, services, you'll want to see if you can break your, your family up onto different plans to take advantage of a plan that's gonna be most appropriate for each of you. You know, to, to use the extreme example, you might wanna put the, the partner with higher costs on a platinum plan and the partner with lower costs on the bronze plan. I hear a lot uh, from people with, especially with young kids, oh, I couldn't possibly go on a high deductible plan, I've got little kids. I've got little kids, I've got four kids. A lot of little kids. A lot of little kids. Um, I'm not gonna say that kids are always inexpensive, but a lot of what kids get is inexpensive or potentially free to you. So preventive services 
are going to be covered in full, meaning paid for entirely by the insurance company on every plan offered anywhere in the country. So when it comes to your kid's annual physical, their flu shots, all their other regularly scheduled vaccines, those are gonna be no cost to you. So just the fact that you have kids and it feels like you're going to the doctor multiple times a year, sometimes multiple times a month, that's not necessarily gonna be a high cost driver. Is, is there any way, uh, Eric, for people to find out which, which um, appointments or procedures are considered preventative or usually are covered? And I didn't realize that you know the average, my kid has the flu and I should take him to the doctor was probably gonna be covered under preventative care. So keep in mind, if your kid has the flu and you're taking him into the doctor, that's not gonna be covered <laughs> ah, under preventive okay. care. Uh, that, they're already sick, you, uh, you miss the preventive. But getting the flu shot, would be covered. Uh, you can always talk to your, your HR or benefits contact. You can also Google what, uh, what are covered preventive services. Uh, it's a list that is put out by the American Medical Association and the CDC. Uh, so it's common across pretty much all insurance companies. The other thing to look at when you're making decisions for which plan to sign up for is what do you have coming up, right? The past is always useful, but the future may be different. There's uh, some new, uh, new rules that are impacting what uh, what we're able to look at in terms of projected cost for the future. Uh, so not to go too, too far down the insurance nerd rabbit hole, but the Consolidated Appropriations Act, one of those really fun bills oh, that I came out of Washington. I was reading about that this morning. <laughs> has, has something called the gag clause, which really just means that insurance companies, when they make agreements with doctors, are not allowed to have provisions in those agreements that say you're not allowed to share the information. Really what it means is we all now through uh, government reporting have the ability to find out what do doctors and hospitals get paid for different services. So if you know that you're gonna have a knee replacement, uh, an MRI, uh, any other sort of surgery or, or major service, you can look up what specific doctors have charged in the past and get really good solid information on that so that you can make informed decisions about what that's going to cost going forward. When thinking, even if it's just you and a spouse or if you do have children, are there any ways to combine certain plans? Um, I know you probably like it's probably not effective to have two bronze family plans, but could you, for instance, take your spouse's dental and your dental and use them together, both of you subscribe to that, and then does it actually end up saving anything? So generally speaking, you don't want to stack medical plans. You're not gonna get good value out of that. You're better off just buying a, a better health insurance plan. But when it comes to dental and vision, there's absolutely something to be said for stacking those plans. A lot of times dental plans will have a per person annual maximum. That's a most that the insurance company will pay out over the course of the year. $1,000 is pretty common. Sometimes you'll see 1,500. If you know that you're gonna have a crown or a bridge, something like that, that's gonna cost you more than that, that three to $5,000 range, having a couple of dental plans with that $1,000 max each are gonna give you better coverage. Similarly, if you've got kids who are gonna need braces, if you and your spouse each have access to a plan that covers orthodontia, it's definitely a good idea to, to consider stacking those. Same thing on the vision side of things. A lot of vision plans will provide a benefit of $130 to $150 towards contact lenses. Uh, a lot of vision plans will give you money towards either contact lenses or frames in a given year. If you're the kind of person who likes to bounce back and forth between contacts and glasses, you might wanna get both. And that's where having multiple vision plans can definitely be a good value. Didn't know stacking 
That's the term. Now I know for next next year. You 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 miss that in the vocab of the week in uh, Insurance Daily. I I miss that. I also missed it at, <laughs> at the, our meeting this morning that I wasn't at. Um. Well, speaking of, I actually had something in our meeting this morning, Eric. Uh, I learned about something. Is it Child Care Plus, maybe, or it has to do with uh, New York? I think it was New York State sponsored insurance specifically for children that can be separate from these gold, silver, bronze plans. Yeah, Child Health Plus is a great program that's going to allow you to get uh, access to coverage for your kids. There's going to be no co-pays, no deductibles. Uh, once you go to the doctor, it's it's basically free insurance. As for the cost to get it, that's going to vary based on your income and family size. So rule of thumb is if you have one child, uh, it's often a better value than putting your kid on your employer-sponsored plan. If you have more than one, it's going to depend on your income and how your employer contributes towards the plan. The reason I say the number of kids matters is that on most employer-sponsored plans, you're going to have one rate if you cover your kids regardless of the number of kids. On Child Health Plus, you're going to pay a monthly fee per child uh, with a maximum of, of three. If you have more than three kids, uh, you only have to pay three three rates. How can uh, can people, again, talk to HR? They can talk to their benefits consultants to learn more about Child Health Plus? Yeah, so some benefits consultants don't love to talk about it. They don't always make money on it. Uh, certainly, our uh, our firm loves to talk about it and, and see what we can do to help people. Uh, you're always welcome to call us, but, but definitely talk to HR. Uh, you can reach out to the New York State of Health directly, but it's always a little easier and, and provides a little more peace of mind if you've got an advocate in your corner. Yeah, hard hard pass on calling <laughs> New York State Department of Health. Uh, one other enhancement that we're seeing a lot of for uh, 2024 is enhanced mental health services. Uh, a lot more providers, particularly locally, are, are providing enhanced mental and behavioral health services, recognizing that there are times when we all need to talk to someone. And it's not always for something terrible. You know, when we talk about mental and behavioral health, people's minds tends to go to addiction or major depression. Uh, it could be that, but it also could be stress, anxiety. It could be bereavement. If you've lost someone close to you, uh, it could be relationship issues. Um, so uh, Excellus, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and MVP are both providing enhanced access, especially um, virtual access. So uh, do a, 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 either a telephonic or a, uh, uh, or a video call visit. It's completely confidential, and a lot of times it's very low cost. When I look through the packet that we received this morning, and right there's it's a pretty large packet and i feel like there's all these I feel like ancillary. there's yeah i feel like there's all of these ancillary benefits or items that you can either subscribe to or are part of your plan how does someone sift through that what are in your opinion some of the ones that most people miss but they really should be paying attention to depends on the plan that you're offered with what those extras that are built into the plan are Every plan is going to have something great. A couple that I always like to highlight, one is telemedicine. Telemedicine is becoming more and more available. It's, it's a way for you to talk to your doctor online or over the phone, get a diagnosis and a prescription without ever going in to see the doctor. It's not something that you want to use for everything. It's not great for, hey, doc, I think my appendix burst. You got to tell me where to slice. Uh, where it comes in really handy is if you know what's wrong with you and you just need a prescription to make it better. In the old days, if I got an ear infection, I knew exactly what it was. I had to call the doctor, make an appointment, take time off work, sit in a waiting room full of sick people. I go into the back, I say, hey doc, I think I have an ear infection. The doctor says, you're right, here's your prescription and here's my bill. What if I could short circuit that? What if I could just go online, 
talk to a doctor through a, a video call or a, or a phone call. Hey, I've got an ear infection. Okay, great. Can you describe your symptoms? Yep, that sounds like an ear infection. Do you want that called into CVS or Wegmans? Uh, and let's move on with our day. Let's let's save some time. Let's save some money. So that is a big thing. It's built into more and more health insurance plans these days. The other big thing is uh, health insurers are recognizing that it's a lot easier and a lot less expensive to keep you healthy than it is to get you healthy once you're sick. So they're investing in wellness rewards. Depending on the health insurance plan that you're offered, a lot of different plans are going to have rewards for uh, for staying active. Uh, in some cases, they'll even connect to a wearable device. If you've got a, a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or a Garmin, if you're taking 10,000 steps a day, they'll give you points and let you accumulate points towards either uh, cash rewards or uh, discounts at on fitness equipment, things like that. Um, a lot of programs also now have discounted gym memberships. They want to encourage you to, uh, to get up, get off the couch, stay active, stay healthy. Uh, in many cases, it's discounts on things that you're already using discounts on sneakers, discounts on, uh, again, a, a something like a Fitbit, um, discounts on um, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, meal deliveries. So if that's something that you're already using, it's worth checking out and seeing if you can uh, keep doing what you're already doing, but at a lower cost. So would I be considered less active because my Fitbit only shows 75 golf shots around, whereas Jesse's shows like 120? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> that, was, that was well done. The majority of people access their health insurance through their employer in the United States, correct? Correct. What about people who are still employed but are reaching that, you know, Medicare age? Um, you know, what what types of things should they be thinking about? Or people who are thinking about retiring early, how do they bridge that gap? So let's address two separate groups. One is the people under 65 who want to stop working, and the other is the people over 65 who want to keep working. If you are over 65 and you want to keep working, you will get an outreach from, uh, from the Social Security Administration telling you that you need to sign up for Medicare. It's not necessarily true, but it's going to vary from person to person. So if you work for an employer with fewer than 20 employees, you definitely need Medicare Part A and B. If you work for an employer with more than 20 employees, you have the option of saying, I want to take Medicare or I want to stick with my employer plan. Now, in a lot of cases, you'll talk to someone at Social Security who says, you might as well take Medicare Part A, it's free. And they're right, it is free. However, Medicare Part A will make you uh, ineligible to put money into a, a health savings account. So if you are someone who is putting money into a health savings account and you want to keep doing that past age 65, make sure that you don't sign up for Medicare Part A. The other, uh, the other cohort, again, is those people under the age of 65 who want to retire uh, but are worried about what they, how they can cover themselves for health insurance. A couple of ways to, to pay attention to that. One is COBRA. So in New York State, you have the ability to uh, to stay on your employer's plan for up to 36 months. So if you fall in that 62 to 65 age bracket, COBRA can cover you. If you're a little younger than that, you'd need to explore options through the New York State of Health. That's the individual marketplace. It, depending on your income, you may pay full price, uh, which may be a little uncomfortable, a little shocking for some people to, to see what, uh, what a plan really costs. Um, but you may qualify for a subsidy. We're seeing more and more people who are at that uh, who are at that pre-65 retiree level, 
who are looking at can they uh, can they reduce their income in alternating years? So can they pull out enough uh, from their investments, uh, put it into cash, and show very little income in a particular year in order to qualify for low cost uh, for low cost health insurance, whether it's Medicaid or something similar, uh, and then in the intervening years. Um, living on kind of a normal income and, and showing that higher income. When they talk about income, are they looking at capital gains and interest and dividends or? We're talking about taxable income. So yes, it includes all of that. Okay. So just don't have any gains. Don't, don't have that. any, don't have any realized <laughs> gains. Realized gains. Yeah, exactly. But so you could, I mean, hypothetically, right, you could very much think about your portfolio and that would be a plan if that's something you're thinking about probably not one year before but probably five seven ten even more as you're doing planning with your all of your trusted advisors really important to understand when you then think about overall portfolio construction yeah what are your goals uh, and if your goal is for for one year or or a couple of years to show very little in taxable income uh, you can you can do that with the right advisor all right, Eric, so we're, we're recording this in the middle of open enrollment. It is November 6th. Unfortunately, last night, our beloved Buffalo Bills suffered an ugly loss. So for today's fun question to end the episode, we're going to go around the horn. What's the one thing that, that you guys would do to improve our current Buffalo Bills? I think the biggest thing is, uh, is you need engaged, committed fans, and I'd be happy to be one if Cobblestone wants to send me to the game. Uh, <laughs> I would go back, invent a time machine, and try to prevent some of the injuries we've had on defense so far this year. Have a couple couple big misses, but then there's obviously some glaring, some big glaring holes when it comes to the prime positions that I know you wanted to talk about, Gabe. Yeah, well, I mean, losing Milano, I think, was the biggest detriment to the team just overall and and you see it in the field position right I mean football is a game of field position and even if the defense is getting a stop they're not taking the ball away right they have one takeover in the last one turnover in the last four games um so they're they're leaving the offense with long fields to cover um but we need a number two receiver um it's I I know you know people are going to talk about Dorsey I know I've certainly given Allen plenty of flack, but at the end of the day, we, we need an actual number two to, to make something happen. And, and Gabe Davis is, is not the guy apparently. So the Jersey purchase at the beginning of the year was not a great purchase. I, me. I just don't think you can leave Josh Allen on, on an Island the way he has been. Right. It's, yeah. it's, it's hard relying on Gabe, you know, Gabe's in general, there's just a trend there. There it's unreliable. It's a tough name. And, uh, you know, Western New York, we need to we need to do something about that. You get that. the highs, but can you live with the can lows? Can you live with the lows? Same wavelength, Eric. Gabe, thoughts? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Trusted Partner Podcast. We want to start answering some of your questions on the show. So if you have an investing, a financial planning, a personal finance question, send that question to podcast at cobblestonecap.com. Once again, that's podcast at cobblestonecap.com. Thank you again for listening to the Trusted Partner Podcast.